You're listening to the Empowering Process Podcast with your host, Gail Kraft. Listen as she holds frank discussions around how your purpose, being present, and trusting your power impacts your life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, leader, or developing your vision, you'll find wisdom and insights you can utilize right now. Welcome your host, Gail Kraft. Welcome, everybody. This is Gail Kraft from the Empowering Process Cast. And I have with me a very special guest, Dr. Carrie. And Dr. Carrie and I are going to talk a little bit about psychological flexibility. But before we get there, we're going to talk about um, feeling like the underdog in your life. Welcome, Carrie. Dr. Carrie. It's so nice to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful. I love the um, the underdog perspective. Um, you know, I think many people can relate to feeling, you know, that the fear of missing out, right, mm-hmm. um, is is true, is a, is a reality. And it, we can only do so much. And there are so many situations where you know, when it comes to being the underdog or being the one um, left behind or the one not included, um, yep. it's always been, I think, has been my my existence for sure. You know, um, I have a, a life of living alone. I mean, my mom died mm-hmm. when I was young. My father worked, you know, the night shift, so wasn't there when I came home from school. I was a latchkey key kid. So I like being alone because it's comfortable. It's what I grew up with being alone. But I I missed family. Yeah, I, I felt like I was missing something. It's so hard to give that what I thought I was missing to my children. Yeah, and, and raising them right. And, um, and what that does to your choices moving on is interesting. So let's get a little bit into your story about what what were you feeling left out about? And you know, give us some examples and how that made you um, feel and what choices you made as a young, as a child, as a teenager, young adult, until you realized, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Right. Well, a, a very significant event happened in ninth grade for me in that we had moved, we had been living in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and Wellesley was like heaven on earth for me. I was able to ride horses, being smart was cool, um, and I had an incredible group of friends and just a very centered, enjoyable existence up there. And unfortunately, Wellesley was a terrible fit for my parents and for my brother. And so we ended up moving back to Virginia Beach, Virginia, which we had lived in. My dad was an entrepreneur, bought and sold businesses. We moved every four and a half years starting when I was five. Mm-hmm. And so that was unusual in and of itself. But Wellesley, we, you know, the landing in Wellesley might have been a little bit rough, but it ended up developing into the world's place for me. And then we moved back to Virginia Beach. And suddenly the things that were cool in Wellesley were not cool in Virginia Beach. So the folks in ninth grade in Virginia Beach were using cocaine and sleeping with boys and partying and drinking and doing all of these things and being smart was something that you needed to hide. And riding horses was ridiculously uncool and reading books was silly and I really just didn't fit. 
And I ended up um, in a difficult ninth grade year, switched high schools that made a substantial and significant difference. But the high school that I switched to, I was still the underdog because I was the kiddo who worked starting when she was 15 and always had a full-time, you know, always had sort of full-time work through the summer, things like that. And I went to a school where folks didn't need to do that. So I was the poor kid at the rich school, which, I mean, this is really a first world problem, Gail, but, <laughs> but, but, it, but, but it is, but it was interesting and it was, it was, it put me in a place where I did feel like I was working in a way and working harder than my peers and still just never quite felt like I fit. Well, that there, there's a feeling of stigmatism if you're the one who's working, right? Even, in, even never mind that you, you don't participate in the activities because you're going to work, right. right, after school. But, you know, they, they have a perception of you or you perceive that they have a perception of you that you're less than because you have to work. Yeah, and it just, even if they weren't trying to make me feel less than, it just was certainly different, right? I I tell the story about there's when I was in 10th grade, there was a woman who was a senior who was beautiful and smart. I mean, she was lovely, truly a kind, interesting, lovely person who happened to drive a Ferrari to school. A Ferrari was her daily driver. And on the days that her Ferrari was in the shop, she drove her dad's extra Lamborghini. I am not kidding, right? It was amazing. So, you know, it just, it was, it was just a experience of difference. And then I went to the University of Virginia, which was a fantastic spot, you know, excellent school, all of those good things. But once again, and in actually sort of in a larger way, my experience at University of Virginia was even larger than at my high school in that I was actually the only person in my friend group who had a job. I was also the only person in my friend group who didn't join a sorority. I couldn't afford to do it, right? I didn't get into the one that I did. And I also, if I had gotten in, I couldn't have afforded to have joined. It's, so that's it was a, just crazy. Yeah. So it was a really big deal. Um, and I would do things like I occasionally was selling extra CDs that I had because I had run out of money and I still had a week and a half left until the end of the month and I wanted to eat. Right. So I would consign clothes or I would sell CDs or I would do something like that. The only person who had a job. Zero um, percent of my friends worked while they were in school and things would happen like they would go to fantastic islands. One of my friends went to the Maldives. I had to look up where it was over one of the breaks. And they're like, what are you doing for the break? And I was like, I'm staying here and working. And it's not actually a complaint. I really enjoyed my job and I really enjoyed. I enjoyed making money. I enjoyed budgeting all of that was actually really good for me but it certainly set me apart from my friends what are you doing tonight oh i'm at work so again that notion of i wasn't always included i wasn't in the sorority i wasn't included in some of the parties or i would be included in the party and i couldn't go because i needed to work all day on saturday mm -hmm. so just a very you know again just a little bit different and then at some point 
you know, fast forward, um, that underdog mentality kind of reared its head again when I ended up divorced and a single mom. And I felt like a good psychologist, right? Should have and you're, known a, that. And you're a loser. You can't keep your right? Oh my gosh. I was told it's up to you to keep your marriage together and you failed. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was just interesting. I, re I remember my, um, my daughter and I it's, were, uh, we found out that we weren't invited to a party and we weren't invited to the party because, and, and literally the mom told me this to, to my face. She said, oh, well, it was a family party. Yeah. You're not and I was like, um, I have a family and our daughters are really good friends. She's like, oh, no, it was a family party. And you're single. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to sleep with your husband. <laughs> and if you're worried about that, you have more problems than you think. <laughs> But it was interesting, you know, so once again, kind of in just in a different club than the other people that I was around. Right. And, you know, one of the things, Gail, that is critically important to both me personally and that I teach in my work is getting out of victim mode. Right. So staying in victim mode, feeling helpless and hopeless is just something that I have no patience for for myself. And I try to help other people get out of as quickly as possible. So. On the one hand, that notion of feeling like an underdog and feeling a little bit less than or different um, is no fun. And at the same time, for me, trying to determine like what were the strengths of that and how did I, um, how did that help make me who I am in a way that if I hadn't had that challenge, that it wouldn't have made me the same person. Oh, exactly. One of the ahas that I had um, in my life, I became the savior, by the way. Right. right. And moving from victim to hero is actually still not great because you're still in that victim drama. You're in the triangle. So yeah. and so so I tell the story. Here's how the triangle. So the triangle is you've got your victim. Uh -huh. Right. Then you have your savior or hero and yep. then you have the perpetrator. Or the right? bully. Right. Right. And so. And so let's, I'll use me as an example. So I'm going to come and I'm going to save you. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. I was, I thought I was going to go under and you, you, you sent me the raft and you pulled me in. And then as soon as I pull you in, you're like, you know, I could have done that myself. If it wasn't for you, I would not, you know, have learned how to swim. And so now the savior just became the perpetrator. Yes. Right. And, and the savior who realizes that she or he has become the perpetrator now feels like the victim. Yes. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's, it's, it's a circle. It's a triangle, but it's really a circle and that it's like the snake that eats itself. Yes. Right. And to, to get out of that, when you get yourself out of that, right. Um, I, I no longer, I'm here to, to, to guide you and show you the road for sure, but to take that step. Well, now that means that then you're in champion instead of in rescuer. Very different. Right. And the interesting thing is we want to be our own champions, right? Yes. We don't want to wallow. We don't want to be in a, um, you know, this is something that I think is interesting is people will tell their story of hardship and then they will tell their story of how they rescue themselves. And it's actually still drama triangle stuff. Right. 
right? Right. So trying to take a different tone with it, I think, is important so that you're championing, championing, I have a hard time saying that word, uh, yourself instead of rescuing yourself. Right. And there and there's a difference. There is absolutely it's such a huge difference, though it doesn't it, and it doesn't take a big step to make that correct difference. Right. And that, and that's the cool thing. So. So. So how did you get yourself out of um, of this? this underdog experience and um, I say, put your big girl panties on and take care of your life. <laughs> well, I think I ended up deciding that I wasn't helpless. Even if I was in a different scenario or a different dynamic than the people that I was surrounded by, it didn't mean that I was helpless. And it also meant that if I took responsibility for the strengths and weaknesses of where I was and could also notice the strengths and weaknesses of where someone else was, then I didn't have to be hanging out just in je jealousy and envy, right? Um, I remember years ago, I was having a conversation with my brother. He's in the movie and film industry, and he was traveling to all of these remarkably awesome places. Like he went to St. Petersburg, and then he was in and I got off the phone with him and realized that I was a nice shade of green, right? I was so <laughs> And I had that old feeling of like, well, I don't get to do that. And he gets to do that. And his life is awesome. And my life is boring. And I was like, whoa, full stop, right? Full stop. A, would you want your brother's job? No, no, I would not. And B, what's the thing that I'm reacting to that I am interested in that I don't feel like I have? And I was like, I don't feel like I have enough novelty. I need some adventure. And I don't have, I have not set up the type of life where I can go and traipse around internationally for six weeks because that isn't my job, right? And yet, my job has strengths and weaknesses, and maybe one of the weaknesses is that a trip around the world isn't isn't one of my options, but there's no reason why I can't take a shorter trip, and there's absolutely no reason why I can't put some novelty into my life right now. And I called exactly. one of my, yep, and I called one of my long-term friends who lived in Hong Kong, and I was talking to her about wanting to travel but not feeling like I had tons of time, and she says, oh, well, Carrie, you should do a jet lag chasing trip. And I was like, what's that? She goes, it's where you acclimate all the way in to whatever time zone you go to. So you don't have to acclimate all the way out. And I was like, do you mean I don't need three weeks to come and visit you? She's like, no, definitely not. She's like, we can do a long weekend. And so I went to go and visit one of my very best friends. We've known each other since we were five. And I flew to Hong Kong. We went to a concert that we wanted to see. We hung out for four or five days and I flew home. And we did the time zone a little in. Like we went to bed at weird times and woke up at weird times so that I didn't acclimate all the way in. And then when I got home, I didn't have to acclimate all the way back. And, and voila, all of a sudden I had some adventure. I had some novelty. I had some travel. Yep. And I didn't need to feel like the underdog. And you know that is is the case. So my my son and his family do a lot of traveling. I I travel, um, not nearly as much as them. 
and they keep their children and themselves on a specific time zone. Yeah, it's it's specific time zone. Even though they've lived on the East Coast, they lived in the, the right now they're in Denver in the middle of the country, but they keep themselves in the family, except for school because the kids have to go to school, but for the right. most part on Pacific time zone. So they went to Bora Bora. Yeah, and did and fine. stayed on the time on the Pacific time zone. Yep. So they're coming back. They don't have the jet lag thing. Yeah. Yeah. But in you know that's a maybe that's a silly example, right? Is travel, but in some ways it's representative of this notion of when you're feeling like the underdog. Notice where notice what you have on the board. Right. And what options do you have? Because you probably have more options than just sitting down and feeling lousy. Right. And if you're looking for novelty, it doesn't have to be flying across the world either. Oh, my gosh. Novelty yeah. is just doing something that scares you a little bit. Yep. Simple. It can, it can be as simple as making a new recipe. Oh, my goodness. Or, you know, taking a, a, a ride to nowhere in, in a direction you've never gone before. Yep. That's my yep. favorite to do. It's like, well, I have a GPS. If I get lost, just turn that baby on. You know, there have been times where I've been out of GPS range. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> uh -huh. It's awesome. Right? Right. So eventually. Well, and I think a lot of this goes back to that notion that you and I were talking about before we started recording. But that joy of being in the present moment and taking a look at what you actually have in front of you and what are the strengths and weaknesses, pros and cons of what you have in front of you, because almost everything and almost 100% of the time we have positive, negative and neutral input. Almost 100% of the time. And it's interesting because we will over focus, particularly when our emotions are sort of running the show or driving the car. Um, our emotions will will narrow our options and narrow our, our sensations until we can only feel like we are seeing or feeling one thing and getting getting into that present moment and then taking a look at like, well, what are the options here? How is this make? How is this a is this a weakness? And getting into more of a factual assessment while you're certainly noticing your emotions. Very important. You can't just like stuff and suppress emotions. It's bad for you. But noticing them and then putting them to the side so that you're the person in the driver's seat, right? Well, well, here's the thing, Dr. Carey. Emotions actually last. Maximum 90 seconds. Unless we feed them. Unless you feed them with a story. Yep. And we feed them all the time. Right. And so, so what I say to myself when, because, you know, I'm a human, is I, I have my triggers where I'm like, get into it. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. What story am I telling myself right now? Mm -hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Why would I be telling myself that story right now? Right. Would I tell myself a different story right now? If I could, what would that story be? How could I even change that right now? And by the time you go through this dialogue with yourself, you forget the emotion. Yes. Right? You right. Totally and do. you forget that you even had a problem. Right? And so you, you story yourself out of the story. Uh -huh. And then and you can look at your situation. So I was using the example the other day. I was on a flight back from uh, the East Coast. I live in Denver. I had visited the East Coast. 
and I was on a where 100% of the seats were full. I'm in row 27, so I'm in the back of the plane. I'm in a middle seat. Ugh. I'm not super comfortable. The person next to me who's in the window is sleeping. And it's a nighttime flight, so I didn't feel like turning on my light because it was pretty clear that she was exhausted and needed the sleep. My husband's sitting next to me on my right-hand side. He's on the aisle. And he's a big guy. Oh. seat. And I don't want to disturb my neighbor. And I'm trying to give my husband some space. And the plane isn't super comfortable. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling really riled up, right? Yeah, what about and me? I'm, and I'm trying to notice, like, why am I so riled up? It was like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable and mentally uncomfortable. It was like, okay, so you're uncomfortable. And then it was like, and I need to feel more comfortable. Well, girlfriend, that ain't happening. You still have two and a half hours on this flight. Right. And this is what I mean about like taking a look at what the strengths and weaknesses are of the particular situation you're in. I'm uncomfortable. I'm unlikely to get comfortable for quite some time. So what can I do? So what to can make I this do situation tolerable now? Yeah. Right. And it looked like taking a break and getting up and stretching in the galley for a second. And it looked like deciding to do a meditation since I didn't feel like reading and putting on my reading light. It looked like having a snack. It looked like just sitting and thinking about my week. It looked like I had all sorts of options on the board, none of which were actually going to solve the problem of being physically uncomfortable. And that's fine, right? But when we start demanding that our emotions get solved, and when we start demanding that our situation should should be, that's a great, like, that's a good red flag <laughs> warning sign, should be different than it is. When we're in that mode, we're automatically back in that victim drama mode. And we're also in that mode where the stories that we're telling ourselves are going to make us feel worse instead of us manage a situation. Right. Right. I, I, I love the poor me syndrome. I will tell my clients, you know, like I said, stuff happens in real life. And I will All say, I give you a permission to have a pity party for 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> Done. Now what do we do? Right? Yep. yep. And I do that to myself when I realize that I'm in that that cycle of poor me. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, oh, we're having a little pity party. Okay, so um time for us to have you know, okay, so you had a pity party. Now it's time to get over that one. What is yep. actually going on here? Right. And so like you said, not you don't suppress the emotions. Your emotions are telling you something's off. Yes, they give you good information about something to pay attention to. Right. And it's okay sometimes to acknowledge that it's crummy. Right. This, that you're in a hard situation, that something feels uncomfortable, that something bad, like you can sometimes actually label things, yeah, that was bad. That's bad right. that happened. Right. And what are you going to do next? Right. My favorite question is, what's my next best move? What's my next best move? 
So I go through uh, a bunch of quantum linguistics with clients sometimes and things like what we were just talking about where you know we're changing the story changing the story changing yeah. the story and at the end when when you realize that you have released the resistance that you're feeling and you can feel that in your body mm -hmm. you're breathing again right your pulse has gone down your heartbeat has gone down to normal then you can say what was i pretending not to know to even thought i had a problem oh yeah yes what were you pretending not to know you were pretending not to know you had options right right one of my favorite questions to ask is what don't i know that i don't know right it's a fun brain teaser right like right. what don't i know that i don't know right and then you realize that you know so much more than you give yourself credit for yes and you almost always have more options even if your option is just to your own response, even if you don't have any control over the external situation. That's the best option always. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and not control or not manage. I, I see that as manipulation. You don't want to manipulate yourself because the inner child in you will get a little, will have a little temper tantrum. <laughs> it puts feel, feeling like you're managing me, right? It's like yeah. a teenager when you tell them you're a teenager not to do something. It's like, well, who are you to tell me, right? <laughs> right. You don't want to be having those internal conversations with yourself, right? right. Um, but you, you do want to open up the door to options and possibilities for yourself. Absolutely. And that's that's really what you're doing. You're not managing your emotion. Again, 90 seconds is over with. You're managing the story and giving yourself permission to look at other options that are available to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, one of the interesting things about emotions, a piece of how you can just cut them in half is simply by labeling them. Right. The other day on the plane, it was like, oh, I feel trapped. And that makes me feel anxious. Okay, so you feel trapped and anxious. Are you actually trapped right now? Kinda. Yeah. Okay. But are yeah. you trapped and is there a tiger coming for you? No, you're just uncomfortable. You're okay. Yeah. Yep. Whenever I get, especially on an airplane or, or you know, on a boat, you know, on a cruise or whatever, at one point, when I step onto the plane or onto the ship or right, it's like it's I'm at the point where I am totally trusting that I've put myself in a situation that is totally out of my control. So let go and accept the fact that from this point until you step off, mm -hmm. not yours to control. Yep. Yep. You get to control yourself. You get to take care of. I like the word take care, right? Like yep. I like taking care of yourself instead right. of taking care of things that are beyond your control. Right. Right. And it's a good exercise in, in letting letting go. When you do that consciously, you're actually practicing mm -hmm. letting go. Yeah. And, and I think that, Dr. Carrie, that is the key to a, a lot of, I guess, the work that I do, and I, I'm sure the work that you do as well, is, you know, helping people find their path because everyone yep. is different, to letting go of the resistance and getting curious about what's going on in their life mm -hmm. to find options, right? 
Yeah, and I, I use the word acceptance a lot, and I want to clarify what the definition of acceptance is. So acceptance is not approval of. Acceptance is just acknowledgement of what is so, right? What is actually happening? And to get factual instead of judgmental. So we often will go quickly from what is happening to what's good or bad about it. And we love dividing things. Our brains like to divide things into two buckets. We well, like I, I say put them into fold. Right? <laughs> right? We like what to divide a folder for that one. Into, <laughs> yep, into the good bucket and the bad bucket. But those are actually judgments. And it's losing sight of the fact that something that's mm, majority good bucket probably still has a negative to it. Something that's majority negative probably still has some positives to it. So that notion of getting into a factual assessment and holding, holding from the judgment piece and instead taking a look at what's workable in a situation, what's less workable in a situation, how can you be more skillful in your response? Those are all great questions that give you options and choices. And once you have options and choices, our brains really like freedom and flexibility. We do not like being cornered. And so when we corner ourselves is big of an issue as when we are cornered by other people or by situations. And so it's getting out of that corner is a very helpful priority to put on the board. I, I enlighten it to the feeling of being in a cave versus being in a field. Yep. And, and your brain feels that clarity. Yep. Feels that sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I'm not a cave dweller. I, I need the light. <laughs> I'm looking out my window now. I need the light. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, you know, I definitely am sleep deprived or, or light deprived in February. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, as we are as human beings. Yeah. Right. And so give yourself um, the light. That's why a lot of coaches call helping people see the dark side is they call it shining the light. Yep. Right. And, and, and it's interesting because I don't like that analogy either, because that means that there's no law of polarity. Well, that's not true. Right. That, that you can shine the light all you want. It's still dark. You can shine the light on it, but it's still dark. Well, I and like you said, the dark has a, the dark has piece of the light because it's all in the same continuum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right I call it uh bringing up the house lights so often our brains will get us to a narrow little spotlight of something right and if you can imagine bringing up the house lights then you can see the variety of things that are going on again positive negative neutral instead of just focusing on one thing or just focusing on something else right and that's where we feed it with our stories yeah right um i I used to have a friend that would get into i mean yes she had a cause and yes she was as a strong supporter of her cause Mm -hmm. it was always through feeding the fire and and i would tell her you're not going to get resolution if your focus is feeding the fire right it's going to and and you're going to burn out 
Right. 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 And and the, the energy that you you can be angry about something, but don't feed that anger. You need to identify. It's like all the other emotions. Identify what is really going on. What is the story going on? Take the judgment out. Well, that's not right. Well, that's judgment. Right. Right. And if you can take that out, you can then see where there are solutions. We don't see solutions because we feed the fire. We spend our time and our energy feeding the fire versus mm -hmm. releasing that resistance. Yeah. Right. And looking at, oh, you know, what can I do from a positive perspective mm -hmm. to impact that? Yep. Right, like you say, what are my options right now? Yeah. Yeah. And what a different world it would be if we all just looked at our options for better choices right now. And to link your choices and options to what's most important, what are your values? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had mentioned earlier one of my one of my struggles was wanting more adventure and novelty. And when I acknowledged and really got clear about the fact that adventure is one of my values then all of a sudden I can take a look at my week and ask myself like where am I doing something new and different and interesting this week could I go on a I have a goal for myself this year to hike 275 miles right I live, I live in Denver there's hiking everywhere it's a really fun for me it's both fun exercise and really fun connection. It's a great way to get together with people. It's a lovely way to spend time outside. It's great. So could I go on a new hike this week? Could I invite a different friend to come with me this week on my hike? I started this hiking when I turned 50. I decided that I would do 50 hikes for my 50th year. And I put it out on social media and was like, who wants to join me in celebrating turning 50, right? New decade. Here's my goal. It was so much fun, Gail. Yeah. Like so many people actually said yes. Yes. And I did easy hikes and I did hard hikes and I did steep hikes and I did flat hikes. And it was just terrific because then it was about, about connection. Right. Even and celebration than anything else. And again, connection, one of my values. Enjoyment, joy, one of my values. So Thank you connecting your choices to your values again helps you both feel better helps decrease those scary stories in our heads because we're actually living in more alignment with who we are and what's most important to us and what's interesting about that so here's a perspective on spending time in nature and you know if you live in the in the city spending that time in nature you're still walking on the cement yep. you can still right you're still getting fresh air and i grew up in the city i know there are still trees right <laughs> it's planting basil and growing it in your own kitchen right right like, right yeah. and what i discover is that when i get out in nature i start seeing things that like for the first time i'm not a tree hugger right but i was talking to the trees the other day <laughs> Right. And, and I'm like, awesome. if people saw me right now, they would think, I'm. but I was like, hey, you're looking really good today. And look at I can see the light side of you in the dark. Right. Uh -huh. 
right? You hold those conversations. And then there was the spot, other spot I walked by, I've walked by for three years. Okay. And do you know, there were fairies in that spot. And I took a picture and I posted on Facebook. I said, look at, I passed by the, all the fairies today. Right? Oh my gosh. So many people go, did you see the fairies? I thought they were gone. Where are they? <laughs> this is awesome. Right. And so you're, you allow your imagination and that's what happens. We lose our imagination when we live in the old stories of distance. Yeah. Right. And when you talk about joy, I mean, what could be more joyful than to be creative and imaginative? You know, yeah. I was thinking of the types of people that I've always been drawn to have been my best friend is an amazing artist. My ex-husband, a jazz drummer. Oh, right? awesome. Oh, my God. I mean, he would get into the zone, man, and he was in flow. And you just like, just listen to him and feel the, the musicality of drums is amazing, right? Absolutely yeah. amazing. And so these people that I have always been drawn to are the people who are willing to step out of themselves and into imagination. Yep. And creativity. Yes. Yeah. And into flow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Dr. Carrie, that's what we're talking about. Life without is just living the old stories. Well, and it's living a bunch of have tos or shoulds. And yeah. it's living a to-do list instead of a enjoy list and, yeah. you know, figuring out ways to make things, even some of the mundane things that we all do, uh, more enjoyable, I think, is, is a worthwhile enterprise. Right. And remember when they used to be new and exciting, those mundane things that we do. Yeah. This, this year, I refuse to have a goal and I refuse to have a to-do list at the end of the, the year, you know, the a group that I was associated, you know, what have you achieved this year? What do you want to achieve next year? It's like, I'm not putting that stuff out there. Good. I have four books this year. Awesome. Right? right. <laughs> I have grown more in the six months than I have in my entire life. Oh, my gosh. Because I've not put any restrictions. I didn't give myself boundaries. Right. I left it. And it's not that I don't do things. It's like, what and I get up in the morning. What is it that I want to do today? What do I want to do today? Right? Yeah. You know. And yes, I have things scheduled. I have the recording of a podcast scheduled, mm -hmm. right? But I keep lots of space between my meetings so that I can allow myself to breathe and look at the possibilities for today. And then when a thought comes, I go do it. Right. No matter how silly it seems. Right. Right. And that's where, like, writing the books, well, they came and, to me. Yeah. And it's figuring out freedom in relationship to the things that you actually, to the obligations that you have. Right. Right. I have a client who runs a very successful business and he doesn't have a lot of time, right? Has kids, it's a very successful business, all of this sort of stuff. And one of the things that we kept coming back to was how can you add in some physical movement? Because it will stabilize your mood. It's great for sleep. It's good for your body, right? It's good for your physical and your mental health. Yeah. And 
figured out that walking at lunch and different people join him, right? Yes. And it's, it's not, it's not stressful. It's not hard. It's bringing a pair of sneakers to the office in the middle of the summer. It's going to be too hot to walk at lunch. And so they'll either walk in the morning or walk at the end of the day. And even if it's only 20 minutes and around the building, it's making a difference to mood, physical health and sleep. Absolutely. You know, when I used to work in corporate, <laughs> um, there was this one place that I worked that I, I made a commitment to walk every day. And that was in New England. So we had winter and we had snow. <laughs> and so what I did was I would walk the four stories of the building up and down the stairs and go the front wing when the weather was just intolerable yep. for me to be outside. And you're right. People join you. Are they like, hey, Gail, she's on her indoor walk today. One second, let me catch up to you. Right, or here, I'll, I'll do one set of stairs with you. Right. right. Like, right. I'm going upstairs, I'll do a set of stairs instead of taking right. the elevator. Instead of, instead awesome. of the elevator, right? And so, um, and we ended up having a spreadsheet on the shared drive, and people would log down how far they walked that day, or how, not how far, is how many minutes, because I wasn't interested in the miles, I was yeah. interested in the minutes, right, yeah. how many minutes did you walk these days, it, it became a game, it became kind of fun, so you mm -hmm. never know what something that you decide to do for yourself might generate for, for others. other people, yeah, yeah, so very, very exciting. So um, psychological flexibility is what we're talking about here. It is exactly what we're talking about, which is I define psychological flexibility as being present, working with the reality that you have, and deciding what your next best move is. So that acknowledging and working with your emotions do, but doing a more factual assessment, less judgmental assessment of the reality that you actually have. So this isn't the reality that you're going to have when you meet Mr. Wright. This isn't the reality that you're going to have when your kids launch and go to college. This isn't the reality that you're going to have when you lose 10 pounds or gain 10 pounds or fill in the blank. This is the reality that you're working with now. And to take a look at what's most important to you. What are your options? How would you like to proceed? And sometimes, and this is a really fascinating idea, sometimes the answer is, I don't know yet. That's what I've gotten this year. Yeah. And that's been okay because I've not put myself in a box. It's scary though, right? Oh, like, it's we exciting. want to know. We want to know. I'm a control type A person, so this is very unusual. <laughs> So it's, it can be fun, and I use that word on purpose. I'm not using that word sarcastically. It right. can be fun to be in the middle of transition and not exactly know how you're going to land on your feet. But you know something? History has shown me I always land on my feet. Yeah. Sometimes on my butt, but I always land. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have quite a track record of making it through a bad day. Right? Right. 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 And so we can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, Dr. Carey, how would they do that? Uh, my website, which is the same as the title of my book called selfhelponthego.com. I love it. Self-help. 
selfhelponthego.com. And the premise to my approach to self-help is that you are not broken, but life gets tricky sometimes. And I help people navigate those inevitable ups and downs. Fantastic. So I will definitely have that information in the show notes so people can click and get in touch with you if they want to. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. This is Gail from the Empowering Process podcast. And if this was interesting to you, give us a thumbs up. If you have any questions, absolutely put them in the comments. We'd be happy to respond to them. If you know someone who maybe could benefit from this, share this episode to them. And as always, do subscribe so that you know when the next episode comes up. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Carrie. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowering Process Podcast. Be sure to visit Gail at gailcraft.com to learn more about how she serves thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and goal seekers. And remember, if you like this broadcast, be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.